Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. In 1969, a plan to show support for an anti-racism protest turned the lives of 14 promising black student-athletes upside down. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Thank you for downloading this podcast from the BBC. I'm Katie Flannery, and in this episode of Assignment, I'm travelling in County Cork in Dublin in Ireland to find out whether our well-known reputation for hospitality and tolerance is under threat as the number of people seeking protection and asylum increases. This is Ringsend, a suburb of the Irish capital, Dublin, close to the city's port. There's a church, a cafe, a local shop and a yellow-painted pub called the Shipwright. From a distance, it looks like most other pubs, but as you get closer, you can see the scorch and smoke marks above the windows and the roof has caved in. On New Year's Eve, the pub was subjected to an arson attack in the mistaken belief that it was going to be used to house refugees. It's one of several attacks which have had the potential to dent Ireland's reputation as the country of 100,000 welcomes. What we're looking at at the moment is a burnt-out building. You can see glass shattered, you can see the roof caved in from the fire and it was blazing flames New Year's Eve when it happened around two. I had received quite a number of phone calls from residents who were scared, who were terrified. Phone calls from migrant families worried about what this meant. I'm Katie Flannery and this is the documentary from the BBC World Service. And in this edition of Assignment, I'm exploring the extent to which Ireland is now divided over its immigration and asylum policies and the impact that this could have in what is an election year. Hazel Chu is a Green Party politician with a special interest in housing and immigration in the city and the daughter of migrants who came to Dublin from Hong Kong. We're standing just across the road from the Shipwright pub. To be clear, it was designated to be a homeless hub, yet still there were groups saying that they would be burning it down because they thought it was going to be an international protection accommodation centre to house people who were not Irish. Where did this information come from? Because clearly they've got it completely wrong. Uh, It's hard to know because with this case, it's actually a very good example that even when you provide people with facts, they don't want to listen. They were very specific, saying we can't house our own people, but we're housing, their words, we're foreigners into the state here. These people are trying to destroy society and burn it down. 
groups of people who will be ethno-nationalists who do not like anyone that doesn't resemble them and their values. You will see them going from area to area around the country in the last couple of years, going to town hall meetings and other meetings to voice their opinions, especially on asylum seeker and refugee accommodation. You will have seen them say, well, there's too many we're bringing in and that we don't have enough space in the country, that we don't have enough resources, that these people are all unfettered. I've seen so many messages online now saying, burn it down. That property could have housed people and it could have housed homeless people in this particular scenario, could have housed asylum seekers or refugees in others, but it's housing. It's still a shelter that people are willing to destroy so that people they don't want don't come into Ireland or into their community. So how did Ireland, a country where millions of people have immigrated around the world to escape disasters and seek a better life, find itself in this position? The country's vibrant economy during the so-called Celtic Tiger years, starting in the mid-90s, saw many migrants come to the country looking for well-paid work. Those numbers fell away when the Irish economy faltered, but now the same forces which are impacting on many other European countries are also affecting Ireland, especially the war in Ukraine and conflicts and oppression in other countries outside of the continent. Around 100,000 Ukrainians have arrived in the last two years after the EU granted them temporary protection. The number of other nationalities seeking refugee cheer has quadrupled, from around 3,500 in pre-COVID times to around 13,000 last year. That meant that in December, the government announced it had run out of options to house all new eligible arrivals. That has left more than 600 men without a roof over their heads. It's a freezing winter's evening in Dublin, part of a particularly cold snap which is going to last at least a week. I'm in Pierce Street, five minutes by car from the Irish Parliament. It's just past seven o'clock and the lighthouse, which promises hot food, companionship and practical support to anyone who finds themselves homeless in the capital, is starting to fill up like it does every evening. My name is Joseph. I'm from Zimbabwe. I arrived in Ireland on Monday and I seek for asylum. Currently, they don't have accommodation for single men and we, we don't have anywhere to sleep. We're just sleeping on the streets. You're sleeping in a tent? Yes. And you just arrived on Monday? Yeah, on Monday, yes. Has anyone been supporting you since you've come? The only centres that have been supporting are these ones where we get food and jumpers and they've been helping us a lot. How have you found sleeping outside in these freezing, below freezing temperatures? It's difficult. You don't know anyone and you don't know how safe it is, especially during late hours. Do you know when you might get accommodation? No, we don't have any idea. Are there many other international protection applicants like you in tents? Yes, yes, especially single men. Families, they are allocated and women, they are allocated. But we are all vulnerable because anything can happen to us most of the time. We are idle, so you know we'll be just roaming the streets. If they give us something to do, contribute, volunteering, so that we don't remain idle. What was your job? Uh, I'm a landscaper. Are you hoping to do that here in Ireland? Yes, yes. When you're into gardening, you contribute a lot to the community. 
Now this evening, tonight, what are you going to do to keep warm? I think we're just having our jumpers and we just get into our tents and our sleeping bags. That's it. It promises to be a long, cold night for Joseph. But there are centres which help homeless people in Dublin during the day. And the government has increased payments for some international protection applicants, refugees who say they're in danger of persecution or serious harm in their home country. Those who are not being housed will see an increase from €38 Euros to €113 Euros a week. And tomorrow night, the Lighthouse will open its doors again to offer hot food, warm clothes and quite a lot more. I'm Aubrey McCarthy and I'm the voluntary chair of Tiglin, which runs the service here in the evening at the Lighthouse on Pierce Street. How are you? Yes, good. All good, are you behaving? Good. Yeah, very good. Oh, yeah, nice we used to feed maybe 20 to 40 people a day. At the moment, we're feeding about 500 people every day here. And are these people usually sleeping rough? I would say majority of them are sleeping rough. Certainly since Christmas, um, we've had a lot of rough sleepers. We ran out of tents, we ran out of sleeping bags, and then we had these special foil type of suits, so we were giving out those, so that if people were sleeping rough, that's minus five tonight, so that's what it's forecast to be, so you definitely cannot be out on the street without any protection. Last November, Dublin suffered the worst civil disturbance modern Ireland has seen. Buses were set alight and shops were looted in the centre of the city. Far-right activists on social media, in just a few hours, called hundreds of people onto the streets and whipped up hatred against migrants after three children and an adult were injured in a knife attack by an Irish citizen born in Algeria. He has since been charged with attempted murder. Even on that night, Aubrey says... The lighthouse stayed open. We just thought the very people that are going to be targeted during the riots are the people that are going to be eating here. So we stayed open and there was no issue at all. Most of the clients, staff, residents all come in and they all connect and have a chat. Alan has introduced bingo recently and it's the daftest version of bingo I've ever seen. And it works like a treat. And you see people from Eritrea, Zimbabwe, Ballymun, Cork and Galway all sitting down calling out their bingo numbers. And, I mean, even the prizes would be a set of saucepans. Most of the people are homeless and they've nowhere to put saucepans. But it doesn't matter. The dafter it gets, the more interesting and engaging. And the people engage. This is the documentary from the BBC World Service. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student-athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis, and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com fearless.
I'm Katie Flannery and you're listening to Assignment. To try and house refugees, the Irish government has been sourcing accommodation, not just in big cities like Dublin, but in towns and even villages throughout the Irish countryside. I'm now driving to Fromoy in County Cork, in the south of Ireland, about 50 kilometres outside of Cork City. It has a population of just under 7,000 people and was a garrison town for the British Army before Irish independence. It's taken a share of Ukrainians given temporary protection and people seeking asylum. Some newspaper reports last year celebrated how well many of them have integrated, but I've also heard that there is now tensions as new accommodation is being sought in the town to house more refugees. Paul Kavanagh runs an initiative called Tidy Towns here, which operates throughout Ireland and which encourages international protection applicants, other migrants and locals to keep Fermoy clean and attractive. They're a mixture of our own people from Fermoy. Fernando, who drives the fan, he's from Portugal. Ah, oh, Samuel! Good morning, Samuel. Another, another man who's uh, and uh, and Jimmy Hello. and Coker. Morning. This is Coker, Samuel, and Jimmy. And uh, I'm Ursula. I am born and reared here. Uh, my dad migrated from the city here back in the fifties. They are lovely people, so they welcome us, give us chance to become one of the community. Do you feel welcome in Fermoy? Yeah, Fermoy is. They have lovely people there. Since we came here two years ago. They accommodated us, they're friendly, and we are glad to be part of the community that keeps this clean. There are new friends now, it's fantastic, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be an undercurrent, but that's, I think, it's spread by fear. We don't allow that to come into our society. Come in with us, we shake your hand, we're all friends. Now we're going to take a picture and then I'll take you on a tour. Great stuff. We're now going to show you St. Joseph's Convent, which was a disused convent falling down for the want of a better word and a developer purchased it and turned it into a centre for the international protection asylum seekers it's gated so it's a safe area for the kids also and uh, there's 120 approximately in there at any one time and when did this get uh, set up initially? Uh, 12 months ago it would have been uh, December 22 different nationalities mainly Nigerians, Congo, South American. There are a few Ukrainians in there. We were asked, would we like to come and talk to them and see if they were interested, and we got a great response. While Paul is showing us the convent, a rather nervous manager appears to check our credentials. I'm Paul from the Tidy Town. They are careful on security because when they came here at the start, there was a lot of protests at the gate. So there was rumour about, oh, this is going to be closed down and that's going to be closed down. It never happened. Where did these rumours come from? Was it online the, or where? Well, so, sorry, I don't want to mention the word far right, but there are people who just, they're the same stories every time I, I, I listen to the news mm. about the, some area. The people protesting, were they residents from Fermoy? Some of them were, most of them were. A lot of people, I think, were taken in by, by the rumours that, oh, this could be dangerous, it could be dangerous for people. So what are we going to do? We shouldn't let them in. But I, I think it was a fear of what is behind the wall. And here, this is, you are now seeing what's behind the wall here. Even so, Paul says there is a concern from many residents about the pressure taking in refugees is putting on local services. You won't be able to get to see a doctor. The secondary schools in Formoy are full. So that's another fear from a parent's point of view, that there won't be enough room 
in the schools. And is that a fair concern, do you think? I think it is. I think it's about making sure that there's more assistance. Is there still protests? No. So has all that died down? Died do down think? completely there, okay. absolutely. And what was the catalyst for it dying down? Basically that these people came out into the community and they were able to show the kids wanted to go to school and that people wanted to work. So and they, the they saw them out with the tidy towns, they saw them out with the runners and they saw them in the International Choir. The singing and running groups Paul's just mentioned were the idea of Fermoy resident Graham Clifford as a way of bringing everyone in the town together. Some people belong to all three. People have started to warm up now. There's about 20 people here and everyone's laughing and joking together, taking pictures. The Sanctuary Runners as an organisation started in 2018 and the Formoy International Choir started in 2019. For the running groups, I'd say about a third would be people who've come from elsewhere. And similarly with the choir. There's something really special about the running because you're doing it shoulder to shoulder. People relax, you know, and you talk, especially for men. <laughs> men aren't great at the back and forth. But when I'm shoulder to shoulder with somebody, things just come out and you get to know somebody and you build that up over time. Does it take away, I suppose, the nose and them mentality that people might have when they don't know through shared experience you know you get to find out about other people and this nonsense othering kind of thing that you see in 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 modern society you see it's nonsensical because you know through your friend or your running mate or your singing mate that there's nothing to be worried about it's just manufactured craziness Hemby here is a great runner I can never quite Catcher in a race. Very frustrating. He tries, he tries. Yeah. yeah. Keelan is our speedster here. Hey. Yeah. We've 40 groups around Ireland. So we've had about 15,000 people would have run or jogged or walked with us since we started the Sanctuary Runners. Because of the nature of international protection, if somebody is moved from a one place to another, they know when they get to the other place, if they see the blue tops, that it's kind of a welcoming, sound, decent group of people. Fresh from their exercise, many of the Sanctuary Runners then Joy Graham singing group practicing in a local secondary school. Hi, my name is Veronica. I'm from Ukraine. I came here two years ago and I found this beautiful place. I need more friends and I found absolutely amazing people here and uh, I feel like I'm almost at home, you know. Did you do singing before you came to Ireland? No, actually, I thought that I couldn't sing, but here people just, you know, give me the hope <laughs> that I can sing. What's your name? I'm um, Gunjimi from Nigeria. I came here one year and a few months ago, and here I am with beautiful people, loving people. Like, they taught me another definition of love, you know. Thanks, Graham. You know, he's been keeping me alive ever since I came here. I participate in the running, I participate in Tidy Town, and I'm also here. So, feel so good. I feel happy, you know. The refugees staying at St. Joseph's Convent who have taken part in Tidy Towns become sanctuary runners and join the choir, seem to have been welcomed by many in the community. After leaving the singers, Paul Kavanagh showed us a site of an old army barracks. He then took us to a place which is much more sensitive to local people in Fermoy. It's a former guest house being made ready to receive more than 50 male international protection applicants. So you can see Abbeville House. And there's a big tent outside there's it. And- big, they put a big tent outside it and you'll see the signs in it. 
you can see that there's people there and they meet there and they have a cup of tea and they mend that 24-7. How long has that been going it's on? No, there are 56 days, I think, this week. They had a meeting there recently and I think there was 80 to 100 people attended that meeting. I mean, people are wondering what's going to happen. Is the protest going to win out? Or is there a bus going to arrive with 56 males inside it? And if that did happen, do you think we'd see scenes that were... I think there would be scenes there if the bus arrives. Yes, I do. My name is Gerald O'Connor, local resident here in Fomoy. And our major concern is that we have 56 unvetted males coming into a building that was originally designed to accommodate 20 people in a bed and breakfast. I have a young daughter who's 17 that has to walk past this building every day to go to school. We are concerned for our people's safety here. We are all welcoming here. If you want to bring in families, women and children, they're more than welcome. We'll be gone tomorrow morning. We have people driving past here, walking past here, calling us fascists, Nazis, racists. But we think that there's about 75% of this town that would be in favour of these people not coming in. Wasn't there at one point, and a barracks in this town at one point full of men? Could people say, is that a similar thing? I don't know where you're coming from with that because I mean, we know who these guys were. These guys are all living in Fomoy, they were all had families in Fomoy, they were married here, they had children here. These guys are coming in from countries unknown, from backgrounds unknown. Has there been security checks done on them? Do they have passports? Do they have visas? What evidence do you have that they're a threat? We know nothing about them. We would feel the exact same way if there was 56 Irish guys being put in there. You know, is there an irony, I suppose, to, you know, you're in a tent here and then there is asylum seekers out there that don't, you know, have accommodation? Well, we don't really see the irony because we're doing what we have to do here to make some sort of a protest and draw attention to this because our local politicians seem to be conspicuous by their absence. How long are you prepared to, to protest and stay in the tent? to the bitter end. Things have been peaceful so far this year in the town, but that's not been the case in other parts of Ireland. In January, there were scuffles outside a hotel in Ross Cray in County Tipperary between protesters and police after refugees arrived to stay in a converted hotel. While some demonstrators are local, Observers believe far-right supporters active on social media are also arriving to swell their numbers. Kieran O'Connor is a senior analyst with the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, an NGO that specialises in the research of online hate, extremism and disinformation. He says the idea that refugees coming to Ireland are unvetted is a myth. It's one of the most lingering, one of the most strongest disinformation narratives circulating. It is entirely false. People who claim asylum in Ireland are fingerprinted when they come into the country. Their fingerprints and names are checked against international databases. And if there is a record of criminality, then they are dealt with very differently. Now, of course, some do ditch passports and identification And that does complicate things, but this notion that asylum seekers enter the country without ever coming into contact with the state, it really is used to foster hostility or suspicion against asylum seekers and then further justify hatred. How concerned are you about misinformation possibly swaying elections in the future? In Ireland this year we will have local elections, we'll have European elections, we also could have a general election. We already know that social media is going to be awash with false, misleading or inflammatory claims about immigration. 
there is a real threat that false and misleading claims could sway people's votes. The discussion of immigration online, some people are saying that any discussion of it at all is being considered far-right. Is that correct? No, I don't think it's correct. We're not concerned about local communities who are having debates around the scarcity or the availability of local services and how an influx of asylum seekers may impact on this. What we're interested in is very harmful claims that seek to demonise asylum seekers, that seek to portray them as some form of invading force. Most analysts agree that immigration policies will have an impact on how people vote in Ireland's elections this year. And new parties are starting to emerge, which have this issue as a significant part of their manifestos. I've come to meet the leader of one in his constituency office in Bandon, a rural town about 45 kilometres southwest of Cork. Michael Collins, Independent TD for Cork Southwest. And you've just established a new political party? We have uh, named Independent Ireland. In Ireland, there's a serious anger and anxiety out there in relation to the existing parties that have lost touch with the feelings that people have on the ground has lost touch in relation to housing. It's a complete it's a massive crisis in Ireland. Cost of living. We have a health crisis in this country. And, of course, issues like migration. What do you think should change in regards to immigration? I think it should have changed a long time ago. I think they should have slowed the flow. I wouldn't say stop the flow, but slow the flow. There should have been a cap at a very early time and look after those who come in properly. We are in a situation now, the hinges are off the doors and the gates and everybody's coming in, they're sleeping on the streets. That's no way to treat anyone. In December, the Irish government announced it would make big cuts to benefit entitlements new Ukrainians are due. From €220 a week, that's around US dollars to €38, which is the amount paid to refugees from other countries. Michael Collins thinks they should have acted sooner. A lot of the Irish got very angry because they felt that some people were using that system to fly over other European countries to land in Ireland because we had a a very good social welfare system for people that came into our country. You must listen to people. Doctor can't take any more newcomers coming in. The school is looking for two extra rooms and they can't take the extra kids, but absolutely slow the flow. Completely what, what slow do you the think flow. Is a reasonable cap? So, like, I can't give you an exact figure. We have an EU kind uh, we, of Yeah, but other EU countries are seen to be interpreting that different to what we're interpreting it. We take it a fair share and, you know, try and work with that and make sure they're cared for and looked after. Will uh, the issue of immigration sway the ele- next election? It will. Yes, for sure. Yes, it will have a serious, there's going to be a serious issue at the doorstep. And the government now are trying to make changes. They know that the electorate out there are absolutely at boiling point. I've put some of Michael Collins's points to Roderick O'Gorman, who's the Irish government's Minister for Integration. And is it responsible to keep taking international protection applicants in and not have anywhere to put them and have them in tented accommodation? People have a right to seek international protection under EU law and under international law. Our obligations where someone seeks international protection for us to have a process in place whereby their request for refugee status is adjudicated on and our obligation is also to provide accommodation. Has Ireland taken more than other countries considering Ireland's population size? Well, we had in 2022, 15,000 people sought international protection here. So in a country of 5 million, that's at 0.3% of our population. The Ukrainians who have been granted temporary protection, they were given 220 euro a week and that's been cut to 38. Why? Was that a cost issue or is that a deterrent? Well, just to say the changes will be for new Ukrainians arriving. The main change that has been made is in terms of accommodation. There will be a limitation on the time period people can have a state 
great accommodation for and that would be limited to 90 days and the reason for that is just there is very real pressure on our ability to accommodate people right now. We know from other member states when they made changes to their offering, it has probably an impact on the travel decisions that Ukrainians make. Our system isn't designed for the numbers we're now seeing. I'm looking at how we have more state-owned accommodation, but our hospitals, our healthcare system, our social care system would collapse without migrants. So it's very important that if we were to sometime in the future as a country take a decision to keep migrants out, we would be absolutely shooting ourselves in the foot. Ireland is trying to tread a fine balance. It has EU and international obligations to house refugees while their claims are being processed, and it relies on migrants from different countries and circumstances to work across whole sectors of the economy. But the tensions in accommodating and providing services for them are very real, something which Irish politicians from across the board are going to have to address, says Dublin councillor Hazel Chu. We are in a crisis mode, trying to get as much emergency supply as possible across the board when it comes to homeless accommodation, when it comes to asylum seeker accommodation. However, I think we are up to the challenge and we have space and capacity for it because a lot of people go, hashtag of Ireland is full when Ireland is not full. So are we still the land of 100,000 welcomes or is that gone? I think we still are. Maybe it's at 90,000 at this stage. We don't want people having to sleep on the street, no matter where they come from. Assignment was presented by me, Katie Flannery. It was produced by Bob Howard. In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink, The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.